0: This program is intended for mature audiences only.
1: Welcome to the Expanded Lovemaking Show. I'm your host, Dr. Patti Taylor of expandedlovemaking.com, and I teach you how to make exquisite love. This is part one of a two-part show. What does your partner want you to know about mind-blowing orgasms? One thing I love about learning about all of this is that ongoing education is such an essential ingredient in having and giving great orgasms. Our minds crave novelty, as well as an expert touch and feel from our partners. So today we'll get a chance to brush up on what makes memorable orgasms great. We're so lucky to have our special guest today, Lou Padgett. So hi, Lou.
2: Hello. Good to be with you today.
1: It's wonderful to have you. So, Lou Paget is a certified ex- sex educator and grassroots researcher. She's the best-selling author of five books translated into 26 languages and represented in over 60 countries and 3 million copies sold. She's been practicing from her base in Los Angeles for over 15 years and among her books is orgasms how to have them give them and keep them coming so <laughs> what a great book why thank you so uh let's so today i just really want to learn more for myself and my listeners about orgasms and how to have them give them and keep them coming i think i'm in the right place <laughs> absolutely so, um, just t- tell us a little bit how you got into the, to teaching about
2: this. Well, my, my introduction into the area of sexuality was, as I said, you know, grassroots. It was very self-directed. I wanted the information for me. I'd been a student in New York when all of the AIDS stuff first broke, and I thought, I have to keep me safe. What can I do? So I started asking my friends, tell me the best thing that you've ever done with someone or someone's done to you. They started sharing, and it literally took on a life of its own. So the reason I can talk about this so easily, I never talk about myself. I share what thousands of others have said worked for them. And I had the hard sciences background, the biology, the botany, the microbiology, as I say, all the good stuff. So I knew when I heard something from a scientific standpoint – even anecdotally, if it really made sense. Because if you think, who are the people who want or, or do the greatest amount of talking about how great they are at sex? It's really like a marketing tool for them. So most people go like this, mm, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. But what I knew when I was listening to people, I could tell what was really going to work. And I started sharing with people who they also wanted to, you know, keep their relationship safe, you know, their mind-body relationship, but they wanted more information that had real people input versus having someone tell them, you know, light a candle and, you know, open a bottle of wine.
1: Well, that is so good to have that real background. And actually, I understand you've talked to people from many, many countries, not even just the United States.
2: Uh, very, Absolutely. I have done my ladies' seminar and my gentlemen's seminar worldwide.
1: So uh, I'd like to get into possibly, you know, if if there are any differences, um, I'm sure there are. Well, let's maybe start with just uh, an, an orgasm. How would you, for men and women, you know, how would you define it? What's going on? Well,
2: for most people, if someone, for example, has never, or they're not sure if they've ever had an orgasm, what I do is I try to relate it to another body Reaction um, that they may be more familiar with. Not that it's the same, but it's a similar thing to a sneeze and a building and a building, and the sensation then all of a sudden the sensation becomes so big you can't stop it. And in the same way, have you ever noticed how some people sneeze once, some twice, some three times, and some a lot of times in a row?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's similar to how each person experiences their orgasm. And the uh, terrific researchers Hartman, Fithian, and Campbell refer to the uniqueness of each woman's orgasm as an orgasmic fingerprint. They occur that uniquely for each person. I love that. And that is something that I tell people, these do not assume you have to have what everybody else is having because they may not be having it anyway. And we as human beings, bless us, we are so programmable. So if someone hears or sees something, for example, on in adult material, they think they're supposed to be having that same reaction. No, you're not. Have yours. So many times women will be making all of these noises, thinking they're supposed to be making these noises, even if they wouldn't use it or, or if, it doesn't, if it's not... Um, if it's not like part of what their real organic reaction is, and it's more, you don't have to do what's not yours. If for you, having an orgasm is very quiet and very into yourself,
1: have that. I really appreciate that because I think there are a lot of women that are either either being quiet and thinking that they should make a lot of noise and. Oh, and not making the sounds they want to make. But I know for myself, I'm a pretty quiet comer, and I've actually had partners of mine say to me, well, I don't feel like I'm satisfying you because you're quiet. And, of course, I'm I just like, well, you're comparing me with someone else, and they're like, well, I can't help it. My ego needs to know uh verbally. And I'm like, you know, I'm sorry. That's just the way I do it, you know. <laughs> I mean,
2: again, back to your fingerprint.
1: And when,
2: but that's one of the things I tell women, do not, I mean, our sexuality is really our bodies saying to our partner what words cannot. And we don't all have the same voice. We don't all have the same language. And this is the same kind of thing, that telling you that you have to have what someone else has makes me nuts. (laughs) <laughs> but it's also, think about where it comes from. It comes from typically adult material where they're telling, you know, and let's be completely honest. These people are, their their actions are scripted. They're acting. They're being directed. <laughs> they're completely voiced over. Um, now, if that's happening in your bedroom, go for it. But really, in the actual instance of what's happening in the majority of things that are made—that's not the sound that's going on in the first place. They add something in afterwards; it's voiced over. Oh,
1: that's that's interesting. So you know, well, you're from LA, so you know about how the movie business goes. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I know people who do that. You know, I think the same thing must happen with men, too, where they're comparing themselves with those porn movies because uh, was, where else are we getting this information and, and coming up short probably, right?
2: Typically, yes, which when I first started looking for the information for me, I knew that, I'm mean, again, having the scientist background, I said, okay, the information has to be out there somewhere. I can't be the only one looking for this. But the more I looked, the more I found it was typically came from one or, you know, two sources. The adult industry, which is in essence men marketing to men about what they know visually works for men. It typically does not work in these scenarios for women. And the other was the medical and the therapeutic world, which basically told people there's something missing or something broken. And I was like, there's nothing missing or broken. I just don't have enough real people information. So that's how I started, you know, asking, and as I say, usually after an adult beverage, and then people would tell me. But I just wanted real people information, because, you know, for those of us, as a jock, I know if someone just tells me something, I'm like, would that really work? Like, would that, if I changed my golf grip, or if I weighed my, ski a different way when I'm skiing. So I wanted what real people said because our sexuality and our sexual appetite is an appetite and we don't always want the same thing. Well, that's... For sure.
1: Well, let's go on then and find out uh, what kinds of orgasms are possible to have um, and what's the range, you know? I, I think that would be really great. Uh, so let's start with women.
2: Okay. Women are capable of having 10 different types of orgasms, if not more. And the reason I say if not more, I mean, I just wrote a column on orgasms, which is an orgasm that results from very, very strong um, core abdominal work, which when I you know, go through the orgasm recipe makes complete sense why it occurs. But to start with, the ten different types that women are capable of having, and these areas of the body are what are being stimulated, but the orgasm itself will be felt genitally, even if the genitals are not being touched. And here's the other part. In uh, research done by Dr. Beverly Whipple, who named the G-spot the G-spot and is one of the foremost researchers on female orgasm in um, my field, the area of the brain that it doesn't matter what area of the body is being stimulated, the area of the brain that lights up for orgasm, it's lit up by all of them. Interesting, huh?
1: It is. I'd like to think that uh, I I have a lot of orgasms because I know my whole uh, abdomen, my whole body is involved and there's contractions everywhere. But I'm tending to spread the sensation out, so I might be one of the other categories more typically.
2: Well, okay, let's start with you can have an orgasm solely from stimulation of mouth with kissing. And that happened more when there were those long makeout out sessions because people weren't able to have sex. Um, it's not as common now, but here's the reason I wrote the book, The Big O, is because so many people were asking me, are mine okay? Is this right? And my u- usual answer would be, you know, are you enjoying yourself? But they wanted to know, you know, that it was normal and to have the validation of it. So, from, starting with number one, mouth, then Breast nipple, again, this is the only area that's being stimulated. Obviously, for most people, they're aware of the clitoris. Then there is the G-spot, which is on the belly button side of the vaginal vault internally. Then there is the AFE, anterior fornix erotic zone, which is behind, further up into the vaginal vault than the G-spot. And it has a, requires a softer touch. The G-spot itself requires a firmer touch, which I will explain in a moment why, because it's a different nerve system. Then there is the cervical orgasm. And again, that requires a much firmer uh, form of stimulation. Then we have anal. And many women have discovered um, eroticism of the anal area when they were not uh, able to have intercourse any um, an other way as a result of, say, a pregnancy. And that area became, you know, highly eroticized for them. Then we have the zone orgasm. And this may be something that you're experiencing, where a different area of the body is stimulated, and that creates an orgasm, like back of the leg, inside of the thigh, neck and something that would not typically be considered an erotic area. Then we have the blended orgasm, which is more than one area being stimulated at the same time. Uh, Most people are aware of the G-spot and the clitoris together. And then we have fantasy orgasms. And these are orgasms, I think these women are quite remarkable. They are able to orgasm solely by fantasy, in a lab setting with all of these machines going on while they're hooked up to equipment.
1: Wow. (laughs) That's some power of imagination. I mean,
2: that's called focus.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, lucky is that person, right?
2: (laughs) Really. Now, there's also for some women... If you can
1: do that in a a lab, you can probably do that during a boring board meeting. Oh, sure.
2: I mean, for some women, they have such good control of their PC muscle and all of the pelvic floor musculature, that they're able to sit and, you know, do biorhythmic contraction, bring themselves to orgasm while sitting in a boring meeting.
1: Well, I want to continue on, but we're going to take a break, so please stay with us. This is Dr. Patty, and we're talking to Lou Paget. and you can find out more about Lou by visiting her website at loupaget.com, and I'll spell that, l-o-u-p-a-g-e-t dot com and she is the author of orgasms how to have them give them and keep them coming as well as the big o and other books so please stay with us
0: imagine if you could become a way better lover in her eyes women do you want deeper intimacy and orgasms far more intense prolonged and vivid than anything you've ever experienced expand her orgasm tonight is an instantly downloadable, easy to learn 21 day training system for partners. Let Dr. Patty teach you the art of expanded orgasm. The genital massage techniques coupled with mind and heart opening practices will give you both full body, full being, orgasmic experiences. Then wait and see what happens. Curious? Want to expand her orgasm tonight? Oh yeah, and it's totally free to find out more. Get the three free pleasure guides plus the free Orgasmic Techniques mini course and when you're ready, get $100 off the original cost with promo code SAVE at expandherorgasmtonight.com.
1: We're back, and we're talking to Lou Padgett about giving and receiving great orgasms. So um, what are just some, some things that uh, p- women can, can know about giving and receiving great orgasms?
2: Um, one of the things when it comes to uh, the buildup for most men is whatever it is you are doing, Imagine in your mind that the buildup for male orgasm is like a mountain slope going up and it goes, orgasm, down. So when you are building the sensation, if you end up stopping, let's say during oral sex, you stop and you sort of like use your tongue on the top because your mouth is getting sore or you're getting a crink in your neck, what you have actually done is set yourself back approximately five minutes. So what you need to be aware of is you need to maintain the intensity of the sensation while you are building it. So that's why you will have your hand and your mouth together. So if your mouth needs to take a break, your hand can still keep doing the Rotation motion, and of course you're using some, you know, like a lovely lubricant that makes it easier to use. Because if you've had a glass of wine, that's a natural desiccant for your system, and you may not have enough saliva. The other thing to keep in mind for the men is that we often touch the way that we like to be touched. So men tend to touch more directly and more intensely to action spots because that's what they do with themselves. So. For women, instead of that straight-up mountain slope, we're more like build, there's a plateau, build, plateau, and then go on to orgasm. And if it's too much too quickly, it starts to hurt. And if it starts to hurt, there's that razor's edge line in between, and it's like, that's too much. So keeping in mind for the women to... In delivering pleasure, you have to maintain the sensation or, if you want to slow it down, stop the sensation. And then for yourself, you have to be able to let someone know, you know, slow down to the left a quarter of an inch. And that will help so many people because they end up having
1: too much too quickly and it spoils the event. Right, or as it may be, as you're saying, they're not getting enough either, right? Either they're getting too much or not enough.
2: Correct. And here's the thing. I wish I could tell people this. Please stop having psychic sex. And what psychic sex looks like is you are thinking that your partner is supposed to know what you want, even though you don't tell them. What happens to that?
1: Well, what happens is that
2: They think, you know, it's kind of like we've been together for X amount of time. They should read my mind that this is what I want.
1: Yeah, that happens to me sometimes, too, because I don't know why it is. Maybe you can answer this question for me. I binge on uh, what I like, and I'll just wake up one day, and even if I've been wanting to go very soft and subtle and slow, and my partner is, okay, I know how to do that now. It took me a while, but I know, I know. And all of a sudden, I'll be wanting lots of pressure and stimulation. Just out of nowhere, I've totally changed. And I think that can be very unnerving for a partner who's not used to that.
2: Right. Well,
1: here's the thing. Depending on what, I mean,
2: whether a woman is premenopausal, perimenopausal, or menopausal, her brain has different hormones shifting through that can change and often do the area of her body and the sensitivity of her body. So, for example, for many women, what may work, One week doesn't work the next week. And her partner may be going, well, honey, you were climbing the wall last week. Why is it not happening now? And then let's add the umbrella statement that men, and I'm saying this in the nicest way possible, majority of men tend to look outside of themselves for what the issue might be. They typically do not look inward. Whereas for many women, They tend to go, oh, my God, what's wrong with me? So the man's going, honey, what's wrong with you? And the woman's going, what's wrong with me?
1: And there isn't
2: anything that's wrong. I love
1: that. (laughs) I love that. Either that or maybe maybe the guy could be doing it differently, too, without using the wrong word, right? There's just a desire for novelty or change. Mm
2: -hmm. And it may also be that all of a sudden your nerves go, you know what?
1: As you said, I really
2: do want a different sensation. And sometimes you do want something that's much firmer. Now, here's the other thing that will happen, is you will establish what is referred to as the nerve response pathway. And that, then your body downloads that.
1: And what is that?
2: Well, what that is, is that is your body having learned its response. You know that that the sensation is going to be building to this and to this. Like the first time most people have an orgasm, it... It shocks them because they just know this is feeling really, 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 really good, and then all of a sudden, wham, and they're like, whoa, what was that? But I wish to repeat it.
1: (laughs) And after a while, does it get kind of like your, your mind is looking for something new and different, even if it is an orgasm?
2: It can, but again, remember I talked about sexuality being an appetite? Sometimes you want dessert only. Sometimes you want the three meal deal, and sometimes you just want one course. And you want comfort sex, or you want, you know, the totally new thing.
1: Now, you said that um, women are very hormonal. How about men, then? Are they way more likely to want the same thing uh, time and time again? Is that more okay, or do they also like it when when you change things around quite a bit?
2: I I would have to say that for both sexes, variety is, again, depending on the person, but variety is something that's very important for partners, knowing that you can create a range of pleasure. Most people want to know that they can do two or three things that are the take-at-home moves. Yet, what they also want, they want to try and expand those. It's like when you get on a dance floor, you don't always want to do the same moves. You want to have different moves that are equally enjoyable to do while dancing.
1: It's the same thing
2: when you're having sex or making love.
1: Okay, so what's a really great move that we could uh, give to a man Uh, The first thing
2: in the manual technique category is you have to use a good lubricant and you have to, when you're doing the stroking motion, don't do a stroke and have the power stroke be the down stroke, okay? Uh Aha, that's a very good tip. Uh (laughs) Aha, and here's why. When men are self-pleasuring masturbating, Uh, you know, doing themselves, whichever term, you know, we'd like to use, they do not do a power stroke down typically to get themselves hard. They do a power pulling away stroke to get themselves hard. So the one thing that you can do, that a woman can do, is that have the rotating stroke, because if you just have a pulling up stroke, it's kind of like, "Mm, please, we're not here to do things in a pedestrian fashion. But if you're coming up, in a rotating motion, but having the, the, the power, like the firmer part of the stroke, be the up part, you are then maintaining more of the blood in the three different chambers of the penis that allow the penis to be rigid.
1: Wow, that's so interesting, because I've learned both strokes, and I, I never knew the one was, you know better than the other, I mean, for physiological reasons, or as you say, just behavioral, right? Because you're replicating what the man is doing.
2: And here's the other thing. If you
1: are with a man and you know his family
2: or you know someone who he grew up with when he was a little boy, ask if there was something that may have been done in the touch category. Like, was there something that was done to soothe him I know one woman, her boys, whenever they would be upset, she would put them uh, on her lap and then just stroke their back very gently. And I know for the majority of men, a touch that with something like that gives you the keys to the kingdom to connect to his body. Uh. For most men, they spend their lives looking for someone to touch them the way they wish to be touched.
1: Mm, that's really beautiful, and that's not even genital; it's just connection. Yeah, and here's the thing: it is legally,
2: and you know, now in this country, it's not safe for men to
1: touch. Isn't that sad? It is sad. Yeah, I mean, you're you're just viewed suspiciously.
2: I know exactly. I mean, I I have a gentleman who is my bookkeeper, and he said, you know, it's just. Crazy that even with his daughter, he said men have to be so
1: aware. Yeah, I think that's a real shame. Well, I want to talk a little bit about uh, cultural differences between men and women. We do have to take a break. We'll be right back. So please stay with us. We're talking with Lou Paget. She's a best-selling author of lots of books including The Big O and also Orgasms, How to Have Them, Give Them and Keep Them Coming. And you can find out more about her at her website, bluepaget.com L-L-U-P-A-T-T. Hi, I'm Dr. Patty Taylor, creator of a brand new system called Expand Her Orgasm Tonight, the 21-day program for partners. Discover your hidden abilities to take your sex and love life to the next level and beyond. Check out my program at ExpandHerOrgasmTonight.com. Get my free mini course and three free expanded orgasm guides at ExpandHerOrgasmTonight.com. I guarantee your satisfaction. We're back and we're talking to Lou Padgett. I wanted to find out, uh, since you've taught in so many countries, how many countries actually? Eight. Eight. Okay, that's a lot. So um, are there cultural differences in the way people orgasm? Uh,
2: The how they orgasm or, because really getting to an orgasm is not something that is really talked about. (laughs) <laughs> in an open way, what I would say is that there are more um, more restrictions in some. There is more openness in others. There, just as an example, one woman who was from Sweden, she said, "You know, it's very open. There's, you know, it's very easy to, you know, be with a partner, and you know, sex is not something where there's a lot of judgment about it." But she said there are times when she said, I don't feel a lot of connection. It's it's more like it's just mechanical. Okay, well, that sounds like
1: something we'd hear all over the world, right?
2: Right. Now, but in uh, different countries where there's more of a social taboo, particularly for women, being um, sexually more aggressive, they just don't, they may talk, men will talk of what they do with someone outside of a marriage, but not in their marriage. Which, I will tell you, for most people, if someone is an important partner for them, they typically will not discuss a lot of what happens with their partner. They won't say, you know, it's phenomenal, it's great, or this happens, or I'm disappointed in that. They will, if the person's not the important person. Wow, that's fascinating. Have you not ever, like, when the person breaks up with someone, then
1: they tell you everything? Right, right. Well, do you teach in your workshops to have that kind of communication? I try to. But here's
2: what also happens. I do a ladies' seminar, and I do a gentlemen's seminar, and I do them separately because one of the things I have to tell you, Patty, hands down, the majority of couples will not tell the truth in front of one another.
1: Wow. Yeah, I was wondering why you
2: you separated. Now we
1: know, right? Yeah.
2: And exactly. And the reason for that is they don't want to say something that might hurt their partner's feelings.
1: Well, I guess that makes sense. If, if you're living with someone who's, you know, and paying a mortgage together and raising kids together, uh, that might really rock the boat, wouldn't it? Mm,
2: it can. Yet, people do want the information, but they want it given in a way, and that's how I've structured my seminars. They are private, they're anonymous, and you do not have your partner there. So people can ask the questions. They can, and oftentimes it's something that someone else says, that there'll be three other people that will go, oh, my God, that's exactly what I wanted
1: to know. Wow, I love that. I love that. So what what is something that women typically say in your workshop? Uh, they want to know if
2: their own orgasmic response is normal. They want to know the range of things that they may feel that they're being pressured to do. Uh, as an example, uh, female ejaculation, which isn't typically considered to be an ejaculation from uh, a specific organ. It is definitely tissue uh, that this fluid is coming from. This is not urination. And, you know, going down, the uh, describing it, female ejaculation occurs sometimes for some women, occasionally for others, and rarely, if never, for some women. For some women, it flows. For some women, it gushes. But what has happened is it has become a performance thing where women are supposed to ejaculate. And if that's not their response... They're feeling like, oh, there's something wrong with me. Now, add to it that for some women who their body response is to have that happen, they've been told by a partner, oh, my God, you just peed on me. Oh, my God, you just wet the bed. Now, remember we spoke earlier of that nerve response pathway, uh-huh. how your body gets used to it and knows that something's going to be happening? What happens for those women is that, they then they slam on the brakes and don't have that sensation go forward because it's like, oh, my God, I'm going to get judged again or this horrible thing is going to happen. But what happens with female ejaculation, it does not occur at the moment of orgasm. It occurs beforehand. So when they have these classes where they tell these women, drink a lot of water, a lot, <laughs> lie on the floor, have someone stimulate you, and then when you are highly stimulated, someone presses on your lower abdomen. Well, what do you think is going to happen?
1: Um, I don't know. Is urinate?
2: <laughs> exactly. It's your bladder. Let's go. Now, that's, and here's the thing. That is not female ejaculation. Now, when they have measured the fluid, and looked at it um, in a lab situation and done an analysis of it, that fluid contains PSA. Now, these are women in a lab um, self-pleasuring, masturbating, and have had no exposure to a man or semen. And PSA is prostatic-specific antigen, which is why they refer to that area of a woman's body as the female prostate but that that fluid is not urine, there may be traces of it because it comes down the para beside para urethral glands, so that's a question that women will often ask.
1: interesting, and how about men? What will they talk about or ask? Um,
2: how can I have her be more open to having sex? Uh-huh. How can I have her have better orgasms? Um, those are two of them. The other is. What are the things that we can add in that, you know, are going to spice things up for us, have things be a little unique? Because if they have been together a period of time and you want to, you know, want to remain monogamous and committed, where do you go to get new information if the only information you have is what is in your repertoire?
1: That's right. Or pornography, right? Well, and, you
2: know, the adult industry, again, is really I, As soon as a man says to me, yeah, well, i got a great collection of porn, I have to say my initial reaction is,
1: oh, dear. <laughs> oh, no, I know. Well, fortunately, we're going to continue on in our second show with exactly that, how to spice things up for couples. So I think I'm going to save that question for our continuation show and bring this show to a close. So I was, I'd like to invite you to leave our listeners with a parting, inspiring thought.
2: Practice what great lovers do, which is touch more often. And when you do touch, use your entire body. Hug so that, you know, breasts and chest are felt. Couples that stay physically connected in that way, if they don't have that kind of like, could someone please touch me? I mean, there's a reason why people go and have massage work done it is very
1: therapeutic to be touched and no one can take better care of your relationship than you wow (laughs) i'm totally inspired well thank you so much my pleasure Yes, we've been talking to Lou Paget and as I said her website is L O U P A G E T dot com. You can find out about her events and books and literature and all of that. And so thank you listeners. For listening, please send me email to Patty at mediacom For text and transcripts of this show and other shows on our network, please visit our website, personallifemedia.com. And if you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to the Expanded Lovemaking show, which you can do right on the front page of Personal Life Media, so you can get automatic updates of our shows. This is your host, Dr. Patty Taylor, and that's all for now. I remain yours in ever-expanding lovemaking, and I'll see
0: you next week. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.